Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We're heading off to Australia and New Zealand, where we will be appearing live and recording an episode in Christchurch on the 11th of May, Auckland on the 14th of May, Wellington on the 15th of May, Adelaide on the 18th of May, Perth on the 20th, Sydney on the 23rd, Melbourne on the 25th, Brisbane on the 27th, and finally Canberra on the 28th of May. So get in and get your tickets now. They are going very fast. Please go to guiltyfeminist.com and just click on live shows for any of these events. I'm a feminist, but earlier today, I referred to an attractive older woman as a milfy cougar. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. Do you know what? Do you know the person? I mean, friend of a friend. You could say they'd love it, mate. They'd bloody love it. Should I slide into their DMs and call them a, a yeah. milfy cougar? Yeah, I'm a feminist, but I would love to be called a milfy cougar. And having said that, my husband is six years younger than me. So, mm, yum. <laughs> Maybe I am. You're now eligible for the MILF title as you've got a baby now. Yeah, that actually doesn't feel as good as I thought it was going to feel. (laughs) 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 No, I'm a hot, young, perky thing, I promise. Mm. Uh, Do you want to do Oh, yeah, it's mine. Um, I'm a feminist, but I love showing pictures of my wedding dress to people. It's a lovely wedding dress. So here is the thing. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I was very staunchly never going to get a white wedding dress. I was going to have something colourful. I thought traditional wedding dresses were fine for other people, not for me, because I'm special and interesting and exhausting. So I (laughs) went on this, uh, I was going to say an endless mission. I didn't. I went to a couple of shops and I couldn't find anything. And then it was getting closer and closer to the day And all my friends were in Edinburgh. My family weren't here yet. I felt really sad. I didn't know what to do. And I, please let me tell you, there is zero things sadder than shopping for a wedding dress by yourself. Trying on wedding dresses by yourself is like you're having a divorce, like you're already divorced. That's what it's like. (laughs) So my friend said, look, let's go and uh, look at all these vintage shops. So we'll see if we can get you at least a vintage wedding dress. We tried them all on. They smell like moths and armpits and none of them fit right. And then just as the day is nearly over, she said, there's a a proper bridal store around the corner. Can I please just take you to one? Because I've been watching a lot of Say Yes to the Dress. Oh, Consequently, my favourite show. Do you, know, oh. do you know that's my favourite reality show? I don't really like reality, but Say Yes to the Dress, I go off for. Oh, we have it in I, Turkey as well, and I watch every single episode on Right? Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm on to repeats. There's a treatise in my book about why there's a feminist undercore to say yes to the dress. I really stand by <laughs> I don't even care. I just, you know what I don't care for? I don't give a shit about the bridesmaids episode. Yeah? I don't care no. if they're arguing. I'm not here for colors. I don't care about the different shapes and that your friend's having a bad time. No, I want to see disappointed families. I want to see shattered lives. <laughs> then I want to hear an uplifting moment at the end. Okay, oh, I love it. I love it. I've seen women take power, even if it's only over a dress. Anyway, so you went to this bridal shop. I call the bridal shop, and they're like, "Do you have an appointment?" I'm like, "Um, no." And they're like, "Well, we've had one cancellation. We have <gasps> one spot left this afternoon. It's fifty pounds." I'm like, "What? The what? Fuck? Maybe it was thirty pounds. I had to pay for it. I was not happy about it, but I paid for it because I was despo." So we get there. to have an appointment in a shop. Have an seems appointment, Deborah Francis White. Like, do you get that back if you buy a dress? 
No. Oh, that's outrageous. Um, <laughs> so you're paying for their hourly rate? That's no. That's if, no. If you're no. outraged by the price I paid for the appointment, you wait till I get to the price of the dress. So oh, shit. We turn up to the store. Was it more than 30 quid? It was a couple of pounds more. <laughs> uh, we turn up. I cannot tell you how ugly wedding dresses are when they're not on your body. They mm-hmm. look so revolting. So this is an expensive shop. There's all of these dresses in the front that I'm like, Am I at a 1980s prom? Is this a prank show? We mm. go in and they say, oh, you know, tell them my name. And they said, and when's your wedding? And I said, it's in four and a half weeks' time. Their throat goes dry. Mm. They look very judgy and they're like, you can only look at the sample sizes because we can't get anything made for you in that time. You can only look at the sample sizes. And in my head I'm like, don't worry, I'm not going to buy anything. So I'll try on whatever the fuck I want because I spent 30 pounds on an apartment. You know, there's lots of finger wagging, a lot of shoulder. I'm being very <laughs> sassy in my mind but very compliant and almost apologetic in real life. So grab a bunch of dresses. So hold on. The shoulder and the finger were in your head. That's yeah. the most I'm a feminist butt thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that's I'm a right. feminist, but I showed them the shoulder and the finger in my head. Uh, out loud, I was nodding and putting my head on the side in a classic submission pose. Yeah, that's right. I was actually on my knees. Um, so I took a bunch of dresses that all looked disgusting, put them on a rack. My friend came in. We were pretending to be say yes to the dress. Anyway, I put this first dress on. I zip it up. It fits like a fucking dream. I'm like, well, I didn't expect that. Open the curtain, show my friend. She's like, oh, I went, it looks pretty nice, question mark. And I said to the lady who was helping us, I said, how much is this? And she said, it's 1,500 pounds. I'm like, I think I'll be taking this one off. Thanks very much. But that's a no. So then I try the next one on. And the first thing I say out loud is, "Uh uh-oh, And then I pulled the curtain back and I showed my friend and she gasped. And then I asked for a pair of heels. That's how they fucking get you. (gasps) So I asked for a pair of heels. Did they give you champagne? Because they do that. I've been sober for 13 years. Maybe my friend had And this was the time you fell off the wagon? Yeah, I got A 40,000 pound wedding dress. I got absolutely. (laughs) I'm not allowed back in that shop anymore. Um, (laughs) So I try the heels on. I show my friend Laura and we are both a bit taken aback. And then I said something (laughs) that I don't believe I've ever said in my life. I said, do you have something like a flower crown? (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) God. I mean, begging for it. I'm a feminist, but. I'm a feminist, but I asked. A flower crown. So she has this little, like, it's just a piece of nice twisted metal and it's got little white flowers on it. I put it in my head. I start crying, Deborah Francis White. Wow. And then I say, how much is this dress? And she says, more than the last one. <gasps> and then she said, it's from Spain. It won't oh. be on the market for six more months. No one will have it. But if you want to get it sent, it's going to cost £400 express post because we won't be able to get it for a fitting otherwise. So I paid a lot of money for a dress I was never going to buy. And I will put a picture up. If you tell me when this goes to air, I'll put a, a picture up that day of the wedding dress and you'll go, oh, yeah, yeah. It's fucking <laughs> wow. hard. Oh, yeah. I would never have guessed that. I and, crumbled something- like Renee Zellweger in a rom-com, mate. I was out. I'm a feminist, but I did not pay an enormous amount for my wedding dress. I went to Australia. I wanted 
my mum and my sister to come shopping with me. We went to a sort of big Muriel's wedding style <laughs> bridal shop where they put you up on a pedestal and stuff. Yes. Um, and tried to stress on. And it was like on 25%. Say, it was sort of like you only paid 25% of the price or something like that. So it was sort of the opposite experience. And everyone said it looked lovely. And they did have time to adjust it and stuff and fit it to me. But I sent it back because I was too worried about damaging it by bringing it on the plane and putting up in a, in a hangar and someone putting something on top of it or whatever. And when it got back here, I got hit with an enormous tax bill for it. I'd paid the sales tax in Australia, but I had to pay import tax. And I thought, oh, I should have brought the plane. And they said, you would still have had to pay tax because they would have got you at the other end that they would have said, like, if you're carrying a big box like that. Mm. They said, the only way you could have not paid tax is if you'd worn it back on the plane. <laughs> and I thought, I could have done that. That would have mm. been quite fun. Now, it would have looked like I'd done a runner at the altar. Yeah, or you'd been left and gone on a honeymoon on, by yourself. Yes, Sitting on my own on a plane, just like watching a movie. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Thanks very much. Could I have a, could I, could I grab a, a gin and tonic? Yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah. That yeah. Is... Just sitting on my own. And if I'd done it, I think I would have committed and worn, worn a veil. I didn't have a veil on, but I think I would have committed and gone. But like just a black like, veil. Oh, it would have been great. It would have been great. And that's how oh. you don't pay tax because it's, it's worn. Well, it's, for it's... our international travellers, <laughs> once Indeed. the lights start up again. <laughs> Indeed. Okay. I better do another one. Okay. Uh, I'm a feminist, but I insisted on having the uh, flattering ring light on. You know, mm. you know that that uh, mm. Instagram influencer ring light. Tom's got one of those, and I put false eyelashes on, even though this is a podcast and nobody is going to see <laughs> the video. I'm very because impressed. I was so sick of just feeling like. Mm. I had made no effort, minimal. And honestly, it's taken so long in lockdown for me to tell a thing to myself. But on Sunday, I had to make a video. And so I did a face mask because I felt very dehydrated. And I bothered to blow dry my hair. I bothered to put makeup on. I was like, oh, my God, there I am. I honestly thought that person was gone. Honestly, last week, I was crying a bit, looking at an old picture of myself out and dressed up. And I said, <laughs> I'll never be that pretty again. I will never be that pretty again. It's over. I've lost it. I've missed the turn off. It's over. And then on Sunday, I dressed up for this video and I was like, I remember this person. And so today for you, for you, Felicity Ward and guests, I have done, I was a bit late for the Zoom call, to be honest, because look at these eyelashes. That's what I was doing. I'm a feminist, but as soon as I fell pregnant, I wanted to stop working. Wow. (laughs) I was just like, oh, I get it. Yeah. I've got a lot of couch time. I'm really looking forward to that. Maybe I do like cooking and cleaning, that kind of shit. Turns out I don't like cooking and cleaning, but I do like not working. It's a very I fun I definitely line. know I don't like cooking and cleaning. I think that's no. nobody is going to be the least bit surprised that I don't like either of those things. No. Do you have another one? No, I did two in a row. Oh, yeah. <sighs> this one's really hard, and I'm so sorry. Um, I'm a feminist, but I've been wearing a bra during lockdown. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm no. Sorry. That's I know. impossible. <laughs> Shocked faces across the Zoom <laughs> Guys. You've really discovered what's made the teenagers fall apart okay. now. They're like, <laughs> okay. It was the best month for me. In, in my <laughs> yeah. Second. This bra free month. Yeah. The silver lining of COVID 19 <laughs> is, is burning, the metaphorical yeah. burning of the bra. In my defense, I breastfed for three months. Mm-hmm. I was a, oh, what's it over here, 36H? 
H. I've but you've got such a small frame. But I've gone down to a double G. Um, but I, I well, mean, I'm sorry I, for your loss. Where, don't you get snappy about that, Deborah Francis White? I mean, you are much narrower than I am, and I have D cup. But compared to the size of my body, with broad shoulders and I'm tall, I'm not a big-breasted person. So and this story still... about oh, I was an H and I'm now a double G. I mean, I want to be a sympathetic sister I here. I want finished. to be a feminist. After I'm I a have feminist, breastfed, but... I've mm. breastfed and then I've stopped breastfeeding. So now my tits look like a pair of slippers trying to get away. Okay, I can tuck <laughs> them into my belt. So let's not get too excited. So that is why I've worn a bra because I can't handle the slapping noise as I walk around the house. Wow. Okay. I'm sure none of this is true. I'm sure your breasts 100% are still completely divine. 100% this is true. From a variety of bedrooms and kitchens across Europe, The Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Felicity Ward, and very special guest Celine Osenaldum and Marva Lalparatop, with music from Grace Petrie and Folky Ben, talking about <laughs> We Keep Getting Up! Yay! Woo! <laughs> Big feminist audience. Yay. Uh, so this is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Oh, haven't heard that for a while, Deb. It feels good. <laughs> I know. It feels good to be back, doesn't it? Oh. I mean, I say back. It feels good to be in our separate kitchens um, yes. wishing we could touch the screen. I'm Deborah Francis-White. With me is Felicity Ward, and we're talking about We Keep Getting Up. So, Felicity Ward, how have you been? Deborah Francis Bloody White. It is it's me. so nice to see slash hear you and or, depending on internet connections. Look, it's just a pleasure to be here. I haven't done a record for, I don't even know how long I've, it's been since I've done The Guilty Feminist. So, it's lovely to speak to future audience and you. <laughs> well, since you did The Guilty Feminist, a lot has happened. What's You've happened? had a bambino. I have had a bambino. That is true. And it, also the whole world has gone into lockdown because of a global pandemic. Yeah. it's um, And we also had like eco-destroying bushfires in Australia. Oh, yeah. God, that was since, yes. I mean, it's I so much has happened. We tried to get you to co-host in Australia, but you were sadly making an incredibly glamorous television show while breastfeeding a newborn, so you weren't yeah. able to. I mean, you say um, glamorous, it's set in a psych hospital. So I was wearing a very frumpy uniform for all of it. And there was lots of mental illness. I still say being in One Flew Over the Cooker's Nest yeah, was a that, glamorous job. Like sure. it made Jack Nicholson's career. Yeah, I mean, it was extraordinary. I absolutely love doing it. We haven't finished yet because a pandemic happened. Oh, um, God. But, it, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. But glamorous was not the word I would use. Damn, glam free. Um, now, I should just introduce, because normally the guests would be sitting in the audience, but because we're on Zoom, the guests are our only audience. So I'm just <laughs> going to introduce them before I properly introduce them. So if you listening at home hear any other voices and think, but who's that? Well, it could be one of my cats crying on the other side of the door. Oh, I thought because... that was my son. I, I took my headphones off. I'm like, have I woken him up? No. I'm so it's, glad it's, it's a cat. It's, 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 it's a needy cat who doesn't like to be out of any room in case there's a party. And if this needy cat is in the room, she'll climb all over the table, she'll jump all over the microphones, 
she'll make all sorts of noise in here. I identify so that's with why your she's cat. she's wailing outside the door saying, I like to make podcasts. But also in the room with me is Tom Selinski, our producer. And in front of me <laughs> are the guests who I mentioned earlier, uh, Celine Ozanaldim and Marva Lal Karatop. Yay. who are two 17-year-old feminist activists from Turkey. So we'll be bringing them in and talking to them a little bit. And also, all the way in Leicester, you're usually the furthest away guest, Grace and Folky Ben, but today you've been mm. really outdone by Turkey. Uh, but, uh, but <laughs> Story of Leicester's life. Story mate. of Leicester's life, always being upstaged by Turkey. <laughs> Story of uh, chicken's life, mate. Uh, Grace and Folky Ben are going to sing a song at the end, as is traditional in a lockdown guilty feminist. But they yeah. can sort of generally be... Kind of audience, slightly like, do you guys know the, the Muppets? Uh, you know the <laughs> hecklers and the Muppets, the two old men? Yeah. Who sit in a box yeah. and just wisecrack occasionally, undermine proceedings, <laughs> laugh, but not like they're really enjoying it. You know, that kind of yeah. thing, like they're mocking it. That's their job now. Is the Guilty Films format's changed dramatically. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, a very, very it's a very important cases. role that we play here. It's a very Stanley important role to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. how I see them now. It's good to be heckling again. <laughs> um, so if you hear any of those voices chipping in, you know, if anybody's got a one-liner or anything like that or wants to just laugh or let out a groan about their fury over the patriarchy, then you're, you're so welcome. You're so if welcome. If anyone wants to laugh, that's the saddest invitation I've ever heard. I mean, it is one of those things that comedians are starved of laughter at the moment. So yes. we are saying things like, if anyone wants to laugh, sure. I mean, don't hold back. <laughs> Sometimes you feel you're on a Zoom call and like, oh, they're talking, this is being recorded, I shouldn't laugh, I'll stifle my laughter, I'll swallow it. No, we want it to come out fully. Fully, fully express the laughter. We'd like honking, Imagine, please. This is a good way of thinking. Imagine the patriarchy doesn't want you to laugh and is stifling your laughter and you resist that because you're feminists. That's how you get them, Deb. Yeah. That's how you fucking get them. <laughs> so, Felicity, our theme today is we keep getting up. It was suggested by you. It was. Uh, now, you have as we've mentioned, a small bambino. Can yes. you tell us what's that been like in terms of keeping on getting up? Uh, look, literally, we keep having to get up because he just... <laughs> I mean, oh, this is a lot more literal than I thought you meant no, it, no, no. I see. This is all lasagna. There are lots of layers. Don't worry, this isn't. But, I mean, we are at the moment getting off having to feed him a lot through the night. We're down to one feed a night, which is incredible, but we have still got the severe sleep deprivation. We haven't slept since November. Um, and he is a great baby now. He's always been a great baby. I love him to death, but he had something called colic, which you hear get bandied around, but you don't really know what it is. And the reason that you don't know what it is, is because doctors don't know what it is. The definition <laughs> is a minimum of three hours crying per day for a minimum of three weeks. And that went on for about seven weeks, maybe longer. And it was just in the night to begin with. It was just like 7 till 11 p.m. and he'd have a nap in there. And then it started to drift into the day. And I didn't realize while that was happening that I was uh, getting postnatal depression from the sleep deprivation. And because it's a uh, there is lots of things about motherhood that I was very, very judgy of and I didn't know I was judgy of until I became a mum. 
So when I'd see mums online, and this is like I'm a feminist, but but when I'd see mums online going, mothers are incredible, blah 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 blah, I was like, it had a touch of the um, wellness enthusiasts, you know, like mm-hmm. we just want to be supportive. And now that I have had a baby, I mean, like single parents. I honestly do not know how they do it. I genuinely don't know how they do it without losing their minds. It's the hardest thing I have ever done bar nothing, bar nothing. And I have had a lot of shit happen in my life. I also, um, when I had the baby, I still had the expectation that I could do everything that I could do before. Maybe, you know, maybe it would take a little bit of time but not long. I think I'm pretty capable, you know, and it's all in the mind. And turns out having a baby is physical. Um, Surprise. (laughs) Um, But I went back to work when he was nine weeks old and I went back to work in Australia. And so my husband quit his job and we flew to Australia when he was nine weeks old. And then I started filming two days after we got there. And um, this show is incredible and maybe the only thing that saved me, but I have had some of probably the worst year of my life, but also wow. with this incredible baby and this incredible husband and with this incredible show. So lots of good things happening, but um, yeah, so uh, I picked the subject just because we're in the past, I've had a choice whether I can get up or not, you know, I don't have uh-huh. a choice now because I have a tiny baby um, and it is, I didn't mean to it. To be this serious right at the top? Uh, no, it's absolutely fine. You know, on the Guilty Famous, we love a gear shift. Yeah, don't uh, worry. I'm sure I got a dick joke coming. <laughs> <laughs> any, any second now. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I've heard tell of how difficult it is. And, you know, I've I've got a little bit of experience of babies and children I've nannied and things like mm. that. But it, you were aware at the time it isn't the same because you there is an end in sight. You will give them back. And I think it is the very relentless nature of it that is its own difficulty that parents tell me and it sounds like you did it in quite a difficult way as well going to film quite oh. intense television show yeah nine weeks in oh yeah I was playing a psychiatric nurse at a psychiatric hospital so it wasn't like light material either some of it is funny mm. but it's um yeah I mean it's as if my soul is like I think there's an easy way to do this so let's avoid that at all costs Yes, yes. Let's let's go for the toughest possible option here. Mm. Yeah. Well, look, we're so happy you're back, and <laughs> not so that we can see that. you. It's irrelevant, really. You could be anywhere in the world. I don't know why I say that. We're talking to guests today in Turkey. You could be anywhere. As far as I know, you've, you're lying, and you're still in Sydney. I am. I've got no real proof you're in London. If I'm well, honest. I mean, I don't mean to be the most boring person in the world, but can we talk about the weather in London for the last month? Holy I know. Is it taking it, the piss or what? We can't go out in it. I've never known skies. a British spring like this. No. I've never known an Easter weekend of such golden glory and perfect temperatures for a picnic in Primrose Hill. Mother Nature and, is very sarcastic. Oh, I, I went up to Primrose Hill and the police were shouting at people. Good. Like shouting at people. Well, no, it wasn't good. It wasn't no. in a good way. It wasn't in a come on now, we all need to obey the law. It was in a way that one officer was enjoying it. In oh, yeah. a way that was children were crying. Oh, and sure. That, in my mind, undermined the mental health benefits I hoped the walk was going to bring. Um, <laughs> it's a balancing but, act, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. There were some uh, much more polite police officers up there the other day who were just sort of very politely saying, oh, can you move on? And if then you it, don't mind not giving people a death virus. Thank there you. Was, there, there was a young woman 
with crutches and she got up and he, they went, oh, no, no, don't be silly. You can stay as long as you like. Oh, and I was nice. like, oh, that's that's nice. And um, then you started was the, the law. Everyone was very separate, but you're just not allowed to sit down because if everyone sits down, then everyone else will come out and sit yeah. down and so on and so on. No one was giving COVID away like it was free samples in a supermarket, just to be very clear about that story. But, yeah, I admire what you're doing massively. How is it having a new baby in a pandemic where everyone's in lockdown? Is it harder because people can't come and visit you and take the baby for an hour or have a cup of tea with you? Or is it easier because you get no FOMO because it's not like all your friends are out gigging and in, you know, having a nice time in a, you know, at a restaurant? Everyone's in lockdown. It's like everyone's got a newborn in a way that they have to stay. Honestly, the world is on maternity leave at the moment. So it's, (laughs) it's, it's both. So on the one hand, it's really wonderful to have that time, you know, a little bit of maternity leave with my baby in my home. Because when we went out to Australia, obviously, we didn't have any of our stuff. We had to pack for a baby for, we were supposed to be out there for nearly four months. You don't know how fast he's going to grow. You don't know what size he's going to grow. And we had three and a half weeks to pack. So it was we got out there and we had to buy so much stuff. So we're back in our flat. And we have a beautiful block of flats. Like there's eight of us that live in the two flats next to each other. Everyone knows each other. We've got a beautiful 89-year-old neighbor downstairs. Her name is Sheila. She tells me the same stories every day. I love her to death. We keep a distance when we see each other, obviously. I mean, we put up a TV unit last week. So that bit of it is really lovely where we can do all the things on the flat that we wanted to that we couldn't because we moved in when I was 36 weeks pregnant or something. On the other hand, there is no childcare. There is no grandma and grandpa can come around and take the baby for an hour. And like with anyone that lives with anyone else, you're seeing the same goddamn person every day. And <laughs> we love it's each a, other. It's, it's, a lot, it's, a, it's a lot of the one individual, isn't it? It is a lot of one-on-one, um, except when you are also <laughs> sleep-deprived and then constantly splitting up parental duties as well and me doing a little bit of work and my husband's just about to start work again. So um, that will be interesting. Mm. So there's lots what of What happens stuff. when the work kicks in? Oh, yeah. we, I mean, we're about to find out, Deb. I don't know. <laughs> I do not I think know. Tom and I feel we're in a very similar situation because we have three cats and we've had a big commitment to Bojack Horseman yeah. in the last you know <laughs> uh, month or so. We've Congratulations. Been so it's Quite similar to a small baby. I think because, so. Because, you know, you just can't leave Bojack Horseman for one evening. You're like, you know, we can knock off two or three episodes tonight. Yeah. And there's, so it's it's quite similar. The only thing is, is Bojack Horseman really wakes me up in the middle of the night. He keeps me up late. Mm. He'll keep me up, but he won't wake me up. And I think. Well, different babies sleep differently. Dif- so. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. And if you're listening at home, Please know that I am being right and I'm taking the piss out of myself. Please don't write to me to tell me that I don't know what it's like to have a baby oh just because I'm watching an adult-based animated cartoon. They that's, wouldn't. that's the joke. No one would uh, do that, I'm saying that. In case anyone was thinking of a series. I'm, I'm saying not. that in a threatening way. No. no one would do that. How have you been keeping on getting up? That's an awful <sighs> sentence to say grammatically and I apologise. <laughs> well, I feel like my only keeping getting up is the feminist keeping getting up, that I'm trying to work out how I can be a good feminist in lockdown Mm. because a lot of the things that I would normally do are not accessible to me. And I find the whole thing, and I feel so bad saying anything about tiredness to a new mother. So uh, (laughs) 
I don't compare my fatigue to yours in any way, but I find lockdown quite tiring. And at the same time, I am starting to sort of enjoy it. I'm starting to think, well, I was talking to Athena Kablenia about this today on The New Normal. I'm a bit nervous about going back out there. I think I'm a the bit whole nervous world about is. What, what happens when I have to start running around a million miles an hour again and I and I have to be here and then I have to be there. And I, and I feel like when we're allowed out, the obligations are going to come tumbling down on me. People are going to be saying, could you do this? Could you do this? Could you do this? Yeah. And I'm going to want to do all of it. And I'm going to have to ease myself back in. Deb, may um, I make a suggestion? Mm. You don't have to. Thank you. Then because, I will just send them a recording of you saying that when they ask me. Just so Felicity Ward. I'm sure that I've told you this years ago, saying, but yeah. when I moved to the UK, I had to start gigging like a new comic again because nobody knew me here. I couldn't get work. So I was gigging between four and seven nights a week. I'd be writing in the day. Sometimes I'd do three gigs a night. As You know, that's that's not uncommon. As the years went on and I became more successful or, you know, like I could get jobs that I wanted, I got paid working gigs, I was still gigging like that. I think it's because I grew up poor and so I think I've got to make money so that I've got food in the fridge and I won't go hungry. You know, there's, I'm looking for a new therapist. But um, <laughs> what I kept doing is I kept burning out repeatedly and I love work. I really love it. I think I'm a workaholic. But I kept burning out to the point where it was really affecting my mental health, my relationship, and just myself, my relationship with myself. So I had to cut back to three nights a week and I was terrified. I was terrified. My ego was terrified because I get a lot of validation from my work. Um, my bank balance was terrified. I was afraid that I'd be bored. I'd afraid I wouldn't feel important. That I wouldn't have a purpose. And what ended up happening is... I had more time for myself. I enjoyed my job more because I did it less. I looked forward to every gig and I made more money doing less work. And I know that that mm. is not everyone's experience. I'm not saying this is a magical formula, but, but sometimes I think we think we need to keep working at a level to maintain our careers. Otherwise, we're going to vanish and we're going to disappear. And that is not the truth. And it's not even the, necessarily the best way to be effective. Yeah, I think that's right. I, would you be my therapist? Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's are, 45 pounds. Now you're, you. now you're not gigging. Uh, is there any chance you do a little light unlicensed therapy? Because you've had so much therapy. You've told me you always say brilliant things that your therapist has said, really wise oh, things so that nice. you tell me your therapist has said. You could just pass that on to me. Mate, I would open, like, all I want to do is start a podcast and it's just called Deep Shit and that's all we do is we just talk about deep shit. Oh, I'm totally there for that. Can right. I be the first guest? Yes, you can. I was also today noodling around with the idea of the Edinburgh Festival. I'm so sorry um, to hear that. You know, would I go back to the Edinburgh Festival with an hour-long show? And then I suddenly started thinking about how sad I was because there's no Edinburgh Festival this year and how sad I was to lose all the 2020 hindsight puns from all those comedian shows because I was thinking <laughs> there were going to be so many, just sort of um, a moody looking young man, black and white poster. He's sort of slightly looking over his shoulder with one arm up on his head. Yeah, scratching his head. And the show's head. just called Hindsight. Yeah. Um, Should we have, have a been... moment silence for all the puns? I mean, okay, well, we could riff them because I was thinking someone could okay. have a, a poster with an eye chart, but the eye chart could spell out their name or yeah. their sadness because yeah. comedians love talking about their sadness. I was thinking there would be one poster where – Someone, probably a man, is wearing glasses but also has glasses 
on his on glasses. his head, yes. and he's also trying to put a contact lens in. Yeah. That would be a good hindsight. Someone called Chris Hines. I'm just making that name up, and it's called hindsight, like H E I N Z. Excellent. And someone called Zach Sides, and uh, <laughs> his is called Hind Sides. Uh, I love it. So there would have been a lot. There would have been so many 2020. All of the shows would have been about what I'd known. If I'd known this, I'd yeah. never have become a comedian. What would you say to your that, teenage self? I wouldn't self. have broken up with her, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's a great loss because yeah. 2021 will be the year of the lockdown show. Um, oh, God. Be but think of the of... Corona puns. I mean, there's my Corona, obviously. That'll yeah. be my, one. My, my, my Corona. My, yeah. my, my, my Corona. Chris Locke is in for a treat. Oh, the Chris, Chris Lockdown. Chris's lockdown. Yes. I mean, sorted. Um, uh, Bob Down. Bob Down is also sorted. Pan Am could do Pandemic Am. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Nice. Or my middle name is Demic. <laughs> That's a really good one. Absolutely. Thanks, Demic. I'll email her. Um, are there any sort of COVID stereotype, you know, something comedy COVID? Has, any, has anybody done, uh, has anyone done COVID in Goliath? Oh, yeah, lovely oh. stuff. Oh, lovely well, that's that. possibly the person who invents the vaccine would be mm. would be qualified to do that they're show. Probably not, they're probably not going to do a fringe show. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're busy. It's, They've got a thing. shame they're, they're missing out because that would sell really well in the Queen Dome. I know. Bloody the hell. Queen Dome, four oh. o'clock. Let's get Chris Whitty on, on Edinburgh next year. Everyone will see his... Whose fringe show would you most like to see? I think I wouldn't mind seeing Meghan Markle's fringe show, the sort of tell-all about oh, the royal sure. family. I'm sure she will be doing a one-woman show at the Edinburgh Fringe in, a, in an 80-seater in a dungeon. Just love to see it. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm thinking, though. I think she should call it the Markle debacle. Oh. Um, <laughs> or, or, oh, I've got it. I've got it. She could call it Take My Mother-in-Law, Please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on. Come, Come on. on, that deserved more. It really did. It was great Come work, on. mate. Come on. I stand. Uh, so, <laughs> mother-in-law. Thank yeah. you. Celine stands. Her mother-in-law is, are we talking about Diana? Oh, it's, should we take my grandmother-in-law? You're right, that's oh. why it doesn't work. Yeah, you. I, that was unintentionally dark, that. <laughs> like, they've already taken a mate. <laughs> oh, oh God. We have to cut this out now. Cut it out, cut it out. <laughs> take my, okay, can I, I don't want to cut it out because it's so good. But can everybody just know, I wasn't talking about the late Princess of Wales. I was talking about the Queen. Take my grandmother-in-law, please. And if I'd got that right, that would have been brilliant. In fact, maybe I'll have a go at that and you can all laugh like I did get it right. Yeah. And then Tom can edit it in. Okay, ready? I've got it. I've got it. Oh, no. <laughs> I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Take my grandmother-in-law, please. <laughs> That is a oh, serious oh, point. Oh, five stars. The if only the laughter wasn't sarcastic, we would have got away with it. <laughs> what about this? Well, if you want non-sarcastic laughter, you need to get some different hecklers on your bloody I mean, call, That's what you need to Stanley do. and Waldorf are really living up to <laughs> their yes. nicknames. Absolutely. Is it Stanley or is it Stadler? Oh, is it Stadler and Waldorf? I think it's Tom. Stadler. Statler and Waldorf. Statler. I think, I think it's, it's. I think it's Princess Diana and Waldorf. Yeah, no, I think don't so. see that. Oh God! Oh, I feel terrible now. <laughs> I feel terrible. Please welcome our guest today, Celine Ozanaldim and Marva Lal Caratop. Yay! Hey. Now, <laughs> Celine and Marva 
are the youngest representatives of the He for She movement in Turkey and founders of the Ground Zero platform. They're part of Generation Z, that generation that seems to be world-saving before they're allowed to vote or drink. Um, I don't understand where they get this sort of wisdom and chutzpah from uh, and this can-do attitude. Um, So, uh, firstly, thank you so much for coming on, Celine and Marva. Thank you for inviting. I love this platform. I love this podcast, so thank you. Yeah, we are so grateful to be here. Yeah, We're in awe of what you're doing. Absolutely. Um, And we really appreciate you coming on to tell us about the situation in Turkey. So could you tell us first about He for She and how you got involved in it and what you do for them? Okay, I'm starting. (laughs) So we are uh, are a really huge fan of Emma Watson. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I grew up with Harry Potter and, you know, growing up with Harry Potter means... Emma Watson and sure yeah I just love her she's one of my biggest idols and I think one day we saw her post on Instagram about he for yeah. she and it inspired us kind of how old and were you uh, last year yeah so 16 yeah yeah come on and come for on, people guys. who don't know what he for she is could you just explain briefly what it is yeah so It's a movement which was started by UN Women, and our main goal is um, to, like, invite men to gender equality because so many men think that feminism is, like, like discriminating them or... And you liked the idea of inviting men into the space to close the gender gap because it can't just be done by the people yeah. who are marginalized. It has yeah. to be done by Yeah, exactly. Because I think people just don't understand that this is their issue as well. I mean, it's just like climate change and it's just about, you know, every other issue that we're facing. And if we want to solve this uh, gender gap issue, we have to work together. And do you influence boys your own age 17 year old boys to think about these things yeah actually when we made our first presentation to our school uh we were like expecting that nobody's going to care or anything but at the end of the presentation most of the like boys came to us and asked questions like what can they do about it and it was surprisingly very good yeah. That's incredible. Can you tell me about the area that you're growing up in at the moment? I'm just trying to think of like how it compares to, for example, where I grew up and what's your community like? Um, we're living in Istanbul, so we are very, very lucky. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're living in a big city and we have so many resources and so many people that we can reach out. So I think we're very lucky. And there are so many people who can, like, support us and inspire us. So Amazing. Yeah. I just think of, like, I was a real rebel without a cause when I was your age. Like, I really had the passion that I wanted to be political. But I was actually, I think I was probably too cowardly to read up on it in case I got something wrong. You know, I was really afraid to get something wrong. It was much easier to be sarcastic or to put something down that you believed that someone else believed in and be really cool and aloof about it. But I think what I would have loved to have been is like you 
And um, it's very interesting seeing the generational difference because I'm Generation X. We didn't do anything. Uh, <laughs> but, to be fair, that was our brand. Very was, on brand. Yeah. But we thought a lot about what we wanted to do. Yeah. And that took a lot of anxiety out of us. And we were very tired after that. Yeah. But we looked so, cool. Yeah. Generation Z seems to have been born ready. And, you know. It's so uh, exciting. They see a problem and they're like, superheroes, there to fix it. So what did you speak to the boys at your school about? Because I think a lot of our listeners would like to know, mm. like, how are the boys in Istanbul? Are there any trends in terms of how they view teenage girls? Are there any negative trends, any positive trends? And what did you speak with them about? And what kind of questions did they ask? I think they mostly asked us questions about how they could get involved, which was very surprising for us, as Marva stated before. And they asked questions about, like, feminism and the history of women so like they knew what they were talking about which was very surprising because I mean I thought that boys were like you know just oh feminism like you just hate us you probably got get dumped and now you hate us (laughs) and (laughs) after our presentation like the feedback we got it was amazing and we just didn't stick with our own school And our goal was to uh, reach more, inspire more, and empower more. Uh, That was kind of our, you know, uh, slogan. So I think in two years, we reached to uh, 180,000 high school students. Wow. Yeah, and most of them are boys. So that makes me very happy. I feel like we can actually, you know raise awareness to that topic and people want to be involved. So that's very promising. And are you going around to other schools? Are you doing it with social media? You know, how are you reaching out to these boys? Like we have our own social media account and most of the people just like saw us from there and just text us. And like our school is um, some like kind of popular in Turkey and has a lots of campuses and we are going to other campuses or other mm-hmm. schools basically yeah and social media you're still at school yourselves are you yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah and i'm loving this online school thing i mean my grades are better now i just got my exam results and i mean they're really good i wasn't expecting this <laughs> i've always told my family that i could be better at school if i was learning at home and they never believed me so I'm what very do you think the do. improvement is yeah why, why do you think it's such an improvement what do you think you get at home that you don't get at school so the thing is in turkey we have a school from nine to four so it's a very long time and we have like nine classes in a day and i kind of see it's pointless but if it's online school it starts at 10 and it ends at one. So we just see our majors. And because it ends at one, we have more time to actually study about the things that we don't understand. And we have like more websites and like videos that we can watch and like do our research because we have more time. I love your self-discipline, Celine. So I could just go, school start at one. <laughs> and then, like, 
Is, do you not have Netflix in Turkey? Yeah. Oh, we do. Oh, we yeah. have. We so do. At 17, I pretty, feel, feel pretty sure. And I was a good student. But <laughs> I feel pretty sure if I'd been allowed out of school at one o'clock and I had Netflix, <laughs> I wouldn't have learned anything. I had my first shower in four days today. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So I'm like, And I love the way you focus on things that you're struggling with. See, I would focus on the things that I was already good at that would make me feel better about myself. I don't, I mean, I don't understand where you get the wisdom from. Could you please tell us a little bit about Ground Zero? Yes. <laughs> you're the founders of Ground Zero. Yeah. Ground Zero platform. Um, thanks to COVID-19, we have so many spare time in our hands. So we that's, wanted to That's stay- a sentence you don't hear very often. No, thanks to COVID-19. A shout, a shout out to a, to a deadly virus. Maybe we should say thanks to the lockdown. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think we should be giving COVID-19 any positive press. They have enough yeah. PR no. at the moment. It's like saying thanks to Donald Trump. Oh, you God, know, no. We've got, you know, that's what I'm saying. We, no. Thanks to Donald Trump, we've got more opportunities for feminism. <laughs> it's like, well, I don't know. Um, sorry, go on. Thanks to lockdown, we have more spare times in our hands. So we wanted to stay more productive while staying at home. And we said, okay, why won't we just start a platform about, you know, empowering our generation because we are the future. And even though we don't want to admit, we still need uh, professional people's opinions. And like, uh, we have questions to ask. And sometimes we can't get like, a, you know, clear answer so we thought maybe we could like start a platform where we could inspire our generation and you know reach them and maybe we could possibly find answers to their questions because like the social media is like super powerful in these years like we saw just one post about emma watson about he for she and our life is like changed a lot in two years and maybe we can inspire other people like Emma Watson in- inspire us. Our main purpose is that. So why is it called Ground Zero? Because lots of people don't know that, but Gen Z means ground zero. So it has the same meaning, but we didn't want it to stick with Gen Z because it's not... Like cool, it's more scientifical. So we wanted to catch people's attention. So we called it We Ground Zero. We did our research and uh, we ground this. Yeah, I like it. Ground Zero Gen Z. So Gen Z is starting off something new and building yeah. a different sort of world, the kind of world you want to live in, as opposed to the kind of world that these yeah. previous generations, including Flick and Minds, have built for you. That doesn't really suit you due to the fact that. Quite soon, the world's going to be too hot to live on. Sorry about that. Um, it's awkward. Um, the world is getting so... hotter than Zac Efron, so. That's Ground Zero slogan. It's a good Gen that is Z ground slogan. Zero's, yeah. <laughs> slogan. So, what does Ground Zero inspire young people to do? What are you hoping that they'll do because they've come onto your? platform your instagram live platform um sometimes like the people put a wall in front of us because they think we are too young to do something but actually in our uh, like instagram account we are hoping that they will get the idea that 
the age is not important. It's the like thoughts the one is important. And uh, how can I say we want to encourage them? Yeah, because um, so the thing is, we didn't want it to stick with, you know, professors like uh, professors and doctors. We thought maybe we could invite people who were from our age as well, because we're doing like 10 minute interviews via Zoom and we air them on our IGTV every Friday. We will post our first episode this Friday. So we are very excited for that. And for example, our first guest is our robotics team captain because she's a founder of a movement. Like we all have this idea, we all have good ideas, but we just don't know where to start. So we thought maybe we could invite people who are from also from our age and maybe, you know, CEOs or, you know, important people. (laughs) So will this be in Turkish or English or both? Both, yeah. Okay. We can tune in and see the English ones on your Instagram TV. Yeah. And what's the name of it? It's at? We Ground Zero. At We Ground Zero. Yeah. Yeah. We, W-E, Ground yeah. Zero. Great. We will check that out. It sounds brilliant. And you seem to see what's possible. And that's what I love about your generation. You don't look at what's there and go, oh, well, I guess that's it. And I think Mm. when we were kids, it was the world was presented to us as that's the world, live in it. And I think because you've been raised as autodidacts that you can teach yourself on the computer. Um, When I was a kid, the information I had was what my parents told me, what my teachers told me and what was in Encyclopedia Britannica or the Funk and Wagnalls. You the won't know about the Funk and Wagnalls, but uh, it was the alternative encyclopedia, which we had. There was no Wikipedia. So we couldn't just teach ourselves. We were limited to the information that we had access to. And the other thing is, is that you've been taught to make and do. So we came home from school and we watched TV, whereas you can make TV. And so you're always thinking, what's possible? How can we change things? Which is really exciting. Well, also what this generation has that we didn't have is we could only mobilize manually. You know, we could only contact each other. We could give them a call or we could write a letter where you guys literally, you know, and us now too, you literally get on Twitter, you get on Instagram, you send someone a message from anywhere in the world and you now have global movements that are so much easier to connect with, you know. And so all of these people that are marginalized voices all of a sudden have access to millions of other people that are also marginalized in the same way. So you get to affect people quicker and faster, more directly and on a larger scale. Exactly. And it's so exciting seeing the enthusiasm of being young you know, as much as you doubt yourself and you're insecure about some things, there is also something about being a teenager where you can go, I can probably do that. I'm a fucking teenager. Why can't I do that? Speaking of insecurities and doubts, uh, you said in your email to us that you talked about body acceptance on IGTV and that was a great passion of yours. Now, as a 17-year-old girl, I was certainly insecure about how I looked How is it that you're able to kind of harness this confidence and this ability to encourage others to accept themselves? I'm going to be completely honest here. Um, I had this stage in my life where I was completely obsessed with my body. I mean, I'm considered as a skinny girl, but I would still not be satisfied with the image of my body because of the Instagram, because, you know, everyone's 
bodies are exactly the same on Instagram, like literally. I guess you should follow me. <laughs> You'll be encouraged. Uh, look, ladies, I don't want to brag, but somebody just had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <Yeah. laughs> They're uh, underpants. Do you know how depressing that is? <laughs> follow Flick and me for perspective. This is the other side of being raised on the internet. Like we yeah. have the internet so we can educate ourselves in the same ways, but then we weren't comparing ourselves to people all the time either. Yeah, I mean, I guess everyone has the same diet and same exercise program and, you know, the apparently the same genetics because everyone looks the exact same mm. on Instagram. So I thought that I had to look that way. And then um, I love Jamila Jamil. And one day I saw her platform on Instagram and she completely changed my life. And oh, she's coming on this show in a couple of weeks. Oh, I'm really? so excited. Really? She's, I'm going to play her this and she's going to cry. I love her. I mean, <laughs> she's the reason why I'm comfortable with my body, honestly. Oh, my oh. God. That is beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. I wish I could film your faces. Like <laughs> when Deborah said that she was coming on the show. The, the I'm going to play her went, what you said. <gasps> what, okay. What, what, what is it about what she says that has changed how you feel about yourself? Um, okay, so celebrities who are role models for young girls are advertising like lost weight drinks and like fake exercise videos and stuff like that. And they talk about body positivity in a fake way. But we never, I mean, sad thing is we weren't talking this openly. And Jamila Jamil started this whole, you know, thing, actually. I mean, no one was talking about body positivity like she did a couple of years ago. And she just like, you know, went there and said, okay, these celebrities, they're advertising you like lost weight drinks, which will make you get cancer and uh, do this to your body. And give you diarrhea. Yeah, I mean, I was never aware of these things and I was following the celebrities. I was following their, you know, healthy tutorials, which was... Mm actually killing me inside maybe and so terrifying and she literally opened my eyes and she's just can we say to all the young listeners that are out there do not get your health advice from celebrities unless they are also scientists and not paid by a famous celebrity ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mm-hmm. And Celine, I know that Jamila Jamil would want me to say that she learnt a lot of what she knows from a community of body positive voices and activists online, but a lot of them were doing incredible work that maybe wasn't reaching teenagers because the conduit, if it's somebody famous like Jamila Jamil, 
who is also you know aspirational in many ways because you've seen her on a TV show or for her to say it is a really powerful thing. Sometimes people I think undervalue what someone like Jamila Jamil is doing and going, well, you know, you have a more stereotypically beautiful face and body. Why are you even talking about this? Or why not let people that first started talking about this talk about this? But the, you are the answer. Teenagers who maybe are starving themselves and feeling terrible about themselves will automatically find Jamila Jamil, but they might not find those. Yeah, for example, stretch marks. I mean, I had this stage in my life where I was, I don't have stretch marks, but I was so afraid that I could get stretch marks. I would like do research about it mm. and how to not get stretch marks. And I would do everything that all the websites would say, uh, say me to do. And one day Jamila Jamila said, okay, you know what? Here's a picture of me and I have stretch marks because I'm a human. And I was like, okay, that's it. <laughs> it's, it's incredible to like what other teenage girls will say. And they just say it because they're scared too. Like I remember a friend of mine saying, if I ever got a hair on my nipple, I would kill myself. So then I just spent like 15 years just like paranoid, not 15, a lot less, because then I got a hair on my nipple, it was fine. Um, (laughs) But it's, it's, it's that stuff that someone else says and you're like, oh, that's the worst thing that I can have. And I didn't have a lot of body issues when I was younger, except that I didn't have boobs until very late. So I made up for themselves when they came in though, Flick. They do. I have back pain. Um, but you know, like getting changed, I just wear a vest. I didn't have to wear a bra for a couple of years. And that was really embarrassing because I wanted to be like the other girls and it's so insidious. It's the smallest thing, but you go, Oh, I have to do that because that's what we have to do. And do you remember that Instagram is a platform you curate yourself? It can seem, if you follow who all the other teenage girls are following, it can seem like everyone looks the same and is eating the same diet and working out in the same way. There are so many amazing body acceptance and fat acceptance and stretch mark acceptance people on Instagram. And I completely changed how I see my body and other people's bodies by just following different people. I just, Mm. because what I see on my feed is that bums like I've got are beautiful. And before, all I saw in the media was that I needed to have a much smaller bum. Marva, did you, have you had any of those moments where things that you thought you had to change and then you, you know, you heard someone else or you just learned that you didn't have to be like that or you didn't have to do that to yourself? Like, actually, it can be heard weird, but I really ha- haven't got any insecurities about my body when right. I am growing up. Right. Um, like, because my mother is like don't wear makeup, do whatever she wants. And I was like, always take her as a role model. And so I haven't got any insecurities about that. That's That's beautiful. Tom's telling me we have to wrap up because you two are two hours ahead. And so we're keeping you up kind of late. No. You have school at 10. (laughs) No Uh, problem. We're enjoying (laughs) (laughs) it. I'm just living my best life here. Actually. (laughs) Well, look, the podcast will be four hours long if we don't wrap up anyway. But um, so is there anything else you just want to tell us where we can go to find more of what you're talking about? You've brought the Girls Who Code movement to Turkey. Yeah. What? You you are also the leader of the first Girl Up Club in Turkey. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you tone it down? Because you are making me look bad. So the thing is, I'm not really good with science and math, but I still wanted to 
do things about uh, STEM related issues because even though I'm not enjoying it, it's not because my family is not giving me the opportunity. It's just that I simply don't enjoy it. But there are so many talented, brilliant girls who can um, work on the STEM field, but they just don't know where to start or they just Mm -hmm. don't have the chance. So we were really passionate about that and we wanted to, you know, we knew that we had to make the first move. So uh, we actually partnered up with our um, school's FRC, the robotics team, and we worked with them for a year now. And we brought um, Girls Who Code Movement to Turkey. And with our FRC team, we went to middle schools and taught girls like basic coding skills and, you know, science experiments and stuff like that. And we also um, started this hashtag Girls Who First movement, which was also about empowering women and the young girls on the STEM field on social media. You know, like it was more like if you tap on that hashtag girls who first hashtag, uh, you could see other girls who were also coders, who were also into math. So our goal was to build a community and make other girls inspire each other. Well, your ability to keep getting up every single day and attacking feminism and changing the world from so many different directions is incredibly inspiring to us. Uh, Celine and Marva, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We really appreciate you. Thank you you so much. (laughs) And now our Grace Petrie and Folky Ben, do you have a song that you think is relevant do you know what, mate? I think we getting do. Getting up again. I think we do have one that's relevant for getting up again. This is a different one than we were going to do, but uh, Selena and Marvel, while you were talking, uh, I just think I think you're both absolutely amazing. And um, thank you. And, thank uh, you so much. Oh, honestly, just uh, what you're doing is absolutely incredible. And yeah. I, um, so I have had this theory for a while. I think the future is going to be okay because of younger people, people younger than me. I think they're actually going to save the world. And I think you guys are going to save the world, to be honest, the pair of you. Um, I feel very good about it. So, um, you're not playing? I don't play the fiddle on this. Yes, you do. What are we playing? You build a wall. <laughs> yeah, I play the fiddle. You absolutely do, mate. No, do I? Yeah. Oh, sorry, you can cut all this out. Um, <laughs> oh, no, this is staying in. This is gold. Lockdown arguments. Um, oh, this is what the people want. <laughs> do, there aren't enough broadcast no, arguments. We're all having them a secret. Oh, I'm putting him really under pressure here. I'm gonna make him. I'm gonna make it. I'm asking him to just busk a solo. Foki Ben, are you a millennial? I can, I can do he can't hear you now. I've taken his headphones yeah, as well. I'm... This is my contribution to feminism: is that I, um, <laughs> I silence Ben, and I, I, he is the most patriarchal of men. <laughs> I subject him to an enormous amount of oppression. Um, so um, uh, yeah, just while just while Ben tunes his fiddle. Um, uh, I wrote this song um, uh, when Donald Trump was first elected. Uh, he was obviously he was going on and on and on about building a wall between America and uh, and Mexico, and obviously that was part of a horrible, divisive, racist campaign. And uh, and I couldn't believe that it, I couldn't believe that he won off the back of it. And then uh, I was thinking in the aftermath of that election about how 
uh, basically, I think a lot of the problems that exist in the in this world exist because there are a lot of people who are up for building walls between us where what we should be doing is building bridges. And I think that what you guys are doing is absolutely amazing bridge building. Um, and I also you. think, you know what, hey, it's, uh, it's, it's tough out there. It's lockdown. And I think everyone's feeling pretty, uh, it's very easy, isn't it, to feel very isolated from each other. And actually, maybe bridges is, is what we need to be thinking about at the moment. So, um, so it's called You Build a Wall. Is that cool? <laughs> yeah, sounds good. You're going to be great. You're gonna, I believe in you. I'm just going to. I believe I'm just in you. Going to play for the solo bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah You're going to have sure. to nod at yeah, me yeah. to remind. I'm yeah. sure I remember when we you, did. You know what you do. We're very well rehearsed. Cut this out. Cut this out. I don't want any I mean, of this. What I love is that the the, the hecklers are now the hecklies. <laughs> it's going to be. We're going to. We're going to leave you nothing to fucking heckle about. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be absolutely perfect. Goes this. to keep a flame But tomorrow's ours to claim Sometimes a battle cry Sounds like a lullaby And tonight I think we need them both the same And to everyone who's scared of what they see Every time they turn on their TV To anyone who's listening to me And for every single kid I used to be You build a wall, and we'll build a ladder You'll fall in leaves, dead from the branch And you'll see how much a snowflake matters When we become an avalanche You build a wall, and we'll just get higher You don't learn to fight from privilege Hide in the dark, and we'll light a fire You build a wall We'll build a bridge, we'll build a bridge Up in your palaces of gold Your day's already growing old And for all the ways you tried to conquer and divide Your ruin will be all the lies you told Cos compassion lives in every single land we are made of something you don't understand Stronger than the weapons in your hand And bigger than those armies you command You build a wall And we'll build a ladder You're falling leaves Dead from the branch And you'll see how much a snowflake matters when we become an avalanche You build a wall and we'll just get higher You don't learn to fight from privilege Hide in the dark and we'll light a fire You build a wall, we'll build a bridge We'll build a bridge
everyone who's scared of what they see Every time they turn on their TV To anyone who's listening to me And for every single kid I used to be They'll build a wall We'll build a ladder They're falling leaves Dead from the branch And they'll see how much A snowflake matters When we become An avalanche You build a wall And we'll just get higher You don't learn to fight From privilege Hide in the dark And we'll light a fire You build a wall you build a wall, we'll build a bridge You build a wall, and we'll build a bridge Woo! Absolutely beautiful, thank you so much Grace Petrie Thank you so much Folky Ben, that's one of my very favourite songs oh, And you. how appropriate And thank you to Celine and Marva, our two bridge builders, <laughs> our, our ladder providers we love you. We look to you. We're delighted you're being inspired by other women and we are thrilled to think of the other young people that you will also inspire. Thank you to Felicity Ward uh, for leaving your baby in the other room. Uh, He's and, asleep. He's uh, fine, mate. I'll just pop and, the iPad next to him. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. And, uh, and I'm delighted to say I can finally let my cats in. They were sort of actually knocking oh, on the door during that song. They're big fans. Me. They're big fans, those cats. You'll see that. He's so keen. They love so British folk music. Song. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Felicity Ward and our very special guests, Celine Ozanaldim and Marva Lal Paratop with music from Grace Petrie and Folky Ben. The Guilty Feminist theme tune was composed by Mark Hodge and produced by Nick Sheldon. The producer was Tom Slitsky for the Spontaneity Show. Thanks to Rachel Crawford, Jimmy DCO and everyone who made this episode happen as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes visit guiltyfeminist.com quietly. But earlier today I said out loud Am I Betty Draper? Because I can see the bottom of my laundry basket. No, okay, that's not working. <laughs> it's like, you know, when you can see the, like, because you've washed all your clothes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to not be supportive. No, no. This is, this is why I've I got more than necessary. A huge thank you to our amazing patrons who have supported this podcast at the Smash the Patriarchy level or above. Sarah Belcher, Valerie Marr, John Quokoy, Sarah Brown, Sarah Boom, and Ruby Rose Thompson.